Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Back to the Ring. I, of course, am uh, the one and only Dr. Bob, uh, here with my new co-host, first time on the show, but excited to have her, uh, Gears. Gears, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Like, I finally get to get back into wrestling after two years of being away from it completely. It's kind of a shame that had to be SummerSlam 98, but... Yeah. Now, uh, if you don't mind my asking, what got you out of wrestling? It became too repetitive, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's the same can... thing every time, and I got bored. Mm-hmm. Just moved on. I can't blame you there. I mean, I, the, the commentary is so bad on Raw and SmackDown every week that I don't even listen to the commentary. I put on my headphones and listen to records while I watch the show and fast forward to the segments I don't want to see. And I'm not bothered with the promos because everything's so scripted you can't tell if anybody means anything anymore anyway. So, but you did, uh, yeah, SummerSlam 98. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, to go ahead and get into uh, this NXT UK. Um, cool, cool. This is from uh, June 17th, 2021. Um, opens up before anything. We get a recap of the women's title match, which was the week before, where Mako Satamora won the title. Um, I know you haven't been watching, but I'm, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, Satamore won the title, which I can see because Kaylee Ray's held the belt for a long time. But I'm a big fan of Kaylee Ray's in-ring work, and I haven't seen enough of Satamore to be like, okay, yeah, she's going to be great. So, Yeah, like, I think Kaylee Ray was champion back when I was still watching. Mm-hmm. She's been, she was champion for 400 and something days or something. It was ridiculous. Mm. No, I think it was like 600 days. I think it was close to two years. Yeah, he's like, it's uh, been a couple of years since I've watched anything. So, so and then uh, after that, they come in, and then we get uh, the first match is a Wolfgang versus Sad Gra- Sam, blah, 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 Sam Gradwell. Um, I was excited about this one. Uh, Gradwell comes out second, delivers a nice heelish promo to Wolfgang. Uh, about the three pigs and the wolves. It didn't make a ton of sense, but it was heelish enough that I really didn't care that much. Yeah, so the notes that I wrote, literally the exact notes, just reading from the the fuck is this promo, the fuck is this hair? Oh, the hair. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Like, can you imagine, like, when it's not styled up, it's just this patch in the middle of his fucking head, like... I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it's certainly a look. It's it's a choice. <laughs> Choices. It reminds me of, like, Tyson Kidd circa 2010. There's just that one <laughs> yep. forehead spike. Yep. But, uh, so they, he comes out, delivers a promo. Uh, they lock up right off the bat, which is always good. They work holds for a while. Um, Wolfgang gets caught on the top rope going for something. Gets thrown down to the floor. Um, Gradwell works the neck and shoulders pretty good, but uh, Wolfgang finally gets his top rope spot, uh, works over Gradwell's ribs, and gets the um, gets the win with a spear spine buster. Because they called it a spear, but it looked like a spine buster in the finish of the move. Like it's like he speared him, picked him up, and put him in a spine buster. 
Yeah, which is actually pretty neat. Like, yeah. I dug yeah, it. Yeah, I... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that was pretty much all I was saying. I was just like, it was a pretty unique-looking sphere, and it looked deadly, and I'm all for yeah. it. Oh yeah, definitely. It was it, it was pretty it was pretty vicious, and I don't think I've seen Wolfgang even wrestle a singles match. I can't remember. It had to have been. It was definitely pre-pandemic, but it was probably about six months before that. So um, it was it was a good match. It was a good little piece of business. Didn't go on too long. I I hate to see Sam Gradwell lose that easily, but. I think they're doing some sort of thing where who can have the more dominant victory between Wolfgang and uh, Mark Coffey. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on that match? Uh, I think they were both they were both very like technical in the ring. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that's you know that's the kind of wrestling I enjoy is just when it's more walk ups and submissions mm-hmm. all the time. To me, that puts on more of a, a lot better show than people running and flipping around the ring standing well, and then mm-hmm. standing for like a good five ten seconds while they wait for him to do it it's yeah not my thing i'm not gonna go and be one of those people that you know attacks people for liking it or attacks people for doing it it's just whatever not mm-hmm. my thing. Oh, don't don't worry i tack enough people for liking it and, and people doing it for, for the both of us but um yeah I, I i agree there well you've heard me talk with d-rod about it i think in it you know there's a place for those spots but if you do good technical and groundwork and stuff like that the the, the high spots actually mean something because they're not a million of them ever matched but yeah, i agree like so after that, we get a Kenny Williams promo about how he's a scumbag and now he can act like a scumbag. Good for him. I'm not a huge Kenny Williams fan, but we'll see how this new heel Kenny Williams looks. Um, they go to a break. Um, did, you, did you have any thoughts on Kenny Williams promo? I didn't even write any notes to it. I don't remember it. <laughs> there you go. Um, they do a package on uh, Satamora. Um, again, uh, well, this was more of a package. The first thing was just a recap about her win and everything. Um, the biggest takeaway I got from this package was Raquel Gonzalez, the current NXT Women's Champion, saying she wants to go up against Mako because I was like, that would be a really good match because Gonzalez has, has gotten better and better. And... Um, it would be a bit of a styles clash because she's so much bigger than Mako is. Yeah, like, not familiar with either of their works to really comment on that. I probably mm. should have done a little more preparing for this, but I... No, you're fine. You're fine. You're coming in fresh. You're coming in fresh. Don't worry about it. After three weeks, you'll be like, oh, okay. Um, then uh, we get, uh, we find out that we're going to get pretty deadly commentating on the mixed tag match, which made me happy because they are um, just entertaining as all fuck. Yeah, they, they, and I have no idea who they were before tonight, but their commentary was pretty spot on and I, it was definitely entertaining. Yeah, well, they're heels and they act like heels and they're those kind of like, douchey you know jack uh, jack wagon heels where they're just like better than everybody else but it comes off it, it comes off so good they're not 
it doesn't come off like they're trying to act that way. It, really it just comes doesn't. off. It just seems so natural. Mm-hmm. And, and I've not seen them in the ring, but they can definitely work a microphone, so I'm down. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're my favorite tag team in all of WWE at the moment. They're just wait till you see one of their matches. You'd be like, holy cow. Um, then we get uh, Kenny Williams versus Danny Jones. Uh, Danny Jones is a real undercard guy, so this was, you know, uh, Kenny is more aggressive as a full on heel, which I really liked. Yeah, he really went after the guy. Um, I like the fact that Jones got just enough offense to kind of make it seem like he could do something, but then didn't. But Kenny, Kenny Williams' finisher sucks. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I, I just wrote it down as the it was a, a botch finisher. I think that they were expecting, or I was think that Danny Jones was expecting something different. Coming mm. from there, and they kind of goofed it. It looked really awkward. Like, well, it looked like to me, it looked like a, a variation of the skull crushing finale, which in itself, uh, as much as I love the Miz, is kind of an awkward finisher if you don't really know how to do it and how to do it well. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing it, uh, Dean Ambrose did back in NXT. It, it mm-hmm. just. This this one, it seemed like the other guy didn't really, I guess, was expecting more of a bulldog rather than, like, a reverse kind of DDT mm-hmm. it was supposed to be. Because usually that move, like, spikes them, and it looks actually pretty neat. Yeah. So this guy just kind of fell on his face. <laughs> but, well, did he get, I mean, I don't know how long Danny Jones has been doing this, so... But it, it was a decent it, – it, the match accomplished what it needed to. It got Kenny Williams over. It got him over as a guy who was willing to cheat to win and so on and so forth. So, I mean, they did what they did. Um, yeah, just kind of put it as a uh, – can't use the word – enhancement match, nothing exciting. Yeah, a squash, a squash match. We call them squash matches here. It enhan- I, I hate that term, enhancement talent, enhancement match. No, it's a, it was a squash match. You need those. Um, but yeah, uh, so, um, then we get, uh, Dragunov versus Brown versus Joe Coffey. Um, I think that's next week or the week after. Um, but then they have like this little table for three thing where they all sit down and start talking about who's the toughest in NXT UK and it's three baby faces and a triple threat. And I'm just, as much as I love all of these guys, I feel like this is just kind of a clusterfuck that doesn't make any sense. It was you know? very British. Yeah. That's as much as I can say about it. It's just... So... Yeah, we're it, here to fight, but we're not going to fight. We're just going to kind of talk about fighting mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's not entertaining. No. It's not entertaining. It doesn't make you think that these guys actually want to beat the crap out of each other, which is, one, you know, I want to see guys that actually want to beat the shit out of each other fight. I don't want to see guys that are like, oh, we're going to have a great performance. I can't wait to work with you. <laughs> like, those kind of matches, the only time I find those, like, acceptable and somewhat unique story-wise is if it's, like, a tournament. Yeah. And... Because that makes sense. It's friends who are like, okay, we ha- we're going after the same goal, but we have to go through each other. To mm-hmm. And that can work. 
But if you're just going and trying to throw a whole match together out of nowhere. I mean, even in the end, even if it is two baby faces, one of them kind of has to play a little heelish. You know what I mean? Because you got to give you got to give the audience a reason to root for one person or the other. Because if they're just rooting for both guys, then why why are they having a conflict? Why is this even a fight? Who cares? You know. Um, so I think if you if one of them, I mean, they don't have to be a full on heel, but if they just celebrate a little too much, talk a little too much smack during the match, kind of play wear that little bit of a black hat for at least for the match, it makes it go better. But I don't know. We'll see what this is. A dragon off is probably going to turn super dragon off and beat one of them. Whatever. You, I we'll can't s- tell entirely because I've not seen him fully, but he looks like he's really tiny. He's a smaller dude, but he's not like super small. He's jacked. Like he's super muscular and aggressive. I mean, he's a good wrestler. He's he's a really good wrestler, and he's definitely going to look small compared to Brown and Coffee in the ring. But he's not. He's by no means like Young Buck size or anything. Okay. <laughs> you know, he doesn't look like middle school. Doesn't look like a middle school child out there playing wrestler. Like he's and and he's good. So you know, it's going to be. Technically, it's going to be a good match. I just, the storyline, I'm kind of like, eh. Plus, you know, whenever you get a triple threat match, there's always the risk of them being like, well, this is no disqualification, and then out comes the furniture, and then there goes my uh, attention span. Yeah, right. And then uh, they go to a break, come back, we get uh, Mark Coffey challenges Shaw Samuels, kind of, sort of, kind of just gets on his nerves and Shaw hands it up and Mark hands it up. And I was like, you really didn't need to do it like that. You could have just said, Shaw, you suck. I want to fight you. You know, would have worked a lot better in my book. But I guess Mark Coffey thinks he's funny. So. Yeah, that's how it happens. Then. And then, um, so after that, we got uh, Supernova Sessions with Noam Dar. He has a shirt now, which is fantastic. Jordan Devlin comes out. Um, they bring up the Cruiserweight Championship. Devlin cuts a promo, which is pretty good. Not a whole lot on that Supernova Sessions, um, really, other than okay, Devlin. Really what was that? It really dragged on. It did. Oh, wow. It did like... It did drag on for a bit. And, um, I mean, I like Noam. I'm a huge fan of his. I would probably get his damn T-shirt just because it's the only – one that's not Imperium that is an NXT UK star because none of the other guys in NXT UK have t-shirts, which pisses me off because those are the ones I want to buy. So, but so then um, they, it's announced that we're going to get Oliver Car- Carter versus Teoman next week. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. I really like Teoman, but Oliver Carter is one of those guys that tends to be a little too flippy and not slow down enough to, to just tell the story that needs to be told in the ring. Maybe Teoman can tame him because he is a pretty vicious, aggressive heel. Um, I like that they went back to the story of how, you know, he put uh, the guy out of action, so on and so forth. But, yeah, that was pretty much it for that. That was, yeah, that was it for that segment. And then they went back to a break. Um yeah, they had a lot of breaks in this. Yeah, yeah, show. they did. Um, they do 
have a number of them in the in the UK brand. Um, most of the ones, see, I don't I don't get full on commercial breaks. All I get is the little WWE breaks. Um, so I don't know how many commercials there are. But um, I know there was one where it was just like, here's a commercial break. Here's a little like promo package and then it went to another commercial break and i'm just kind of like oh man oh uh, so okay and then we uh then we got um the david dave massive promo um uh, which was actually a reason to get uh show tyler bait and stars working out and tyler trying to give stars a chance at the heritage cup and stars turning them down which why would you ever turn him down? I think that that's just even in kayfabe, it's dumb. Even in um, the storyline, it doesn't make much sense. But um, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. I'd like to see Tyler versus Stars, though. I don't think Stars really has any chance against Bate. Yeah. The one thing that really took me out of the promo is you got Masson. He's this big ass dude, and he's got the softest voice ever, and it kind of made me chuckle <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Massive is one of those guys that's like you you know outside of the ring he's just a big teddy bear, but he needs to if he had more a little bit more just aggression or anger or some sort of emotion in his voice other than, Hey, I'm Dave Mastiff. How are you? You know, it would probably come off a little bit better. Worse than again, he's a baby face and he's not currently working a program with anybody so what does he really have to be pissed off about so um then we get uh nathan fraser versus rohan raja and he was the guy that was gone from the injury quote unquote from teoman where teoman snapped his arm yeah which how blew- long ago was that so like in i guess two months two months okay is two months is that definitely kind of I think it's a word to say about this match. What was that? I said that was that will kind of like play into what I want to say about this match because that dude had zero selling of the injury through the the entire match, and that oh, really me because they were talking about how he just came back from it, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, show me that, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. First, like. The first good chunk of this match was really, like, botchy and not very good. And then yep. as time went on, the match actually became pretty, pretty decent. See, I've, I've seen Nathan Fraser a couple of times. And it looked like he was kind of advancing his, his skills in more of a British uh, strong style type of style. And then this match, he just completely regressed. Um he does, he does way too many aerial moves. Uh, I hate the fact that he will sell for a while. Like, cause he, he was selling for a good bit while Raja was up on him. But then as soon as he gets a little bit of advantage, it's immediately 100 miles an hour around the ring. Like, he was never hurt at all. And that always bugs me. Like, oh, adrenaline. It's like, no, you've got to sell that you're tired, that you've gotten beaten up, or else you're not tired and you didn't get beaten up and it's all fake and phony and why should you care? Um, That's just me. Uh, He hit the frog splash and he gets the win. 
Then uh, Teoman's little um, uh, thing appears up on the screen, um, which I'm never, I'm not a huge fan of stuff like that because it's like this Teoman note, somebody that works in the truck, like why is his thing just coming up on the screen for no reason? If he's going to confront him, have him come out there. Even if he just came out there and stood at the top of the ramp, it would be better than something just coming up on the screen. Yeah, and then you had, um, I think it was Frazier, who just kind of like stood there and just like shrugged and then left. Yep. And I was like, well, that completely, like... He completely, he no-sold. Yeah, everything that just happened or whatever that was trying to accomplish completely got thrown out the window when he did that. But yeah, so every time I want to like Frazier, he ends up doing something too silly, too much. Like, I'm going to dive out of the ring on one side, and then my opponent's got to run around the other side of the ring so I can dive out of the ring on that side. And it's just, it it, it takes me out of it completely. And um, I don't care if Seth Rollins tra- trained this dude. Somebody else needs to fucking train him if that's the kind of people that Seth Rollins is putting out from his school. <laughs> But um, so then we get um, uh, Devlin comes into his locker room and A Kid is in there, the former Heritage Cup champion. So both two former champions, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to have a match, which would be good because they can both work like nobody's business. So that'll be nice. All over a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh. I mean, that's kind of classic booking there though like yeah they don't need something extreme to go and start a rivalry oh yeah well i mean at least they're not arguing over a kid's mom's van that got beat up got destroyed by the heels but that's AEW, and that's a whole different universe oh something we just won't go into no no um so then we get our main events. Uh, Flash Gordon Webster and Danny Luna versus Jenny and Joseph Connors in a mixed tag match with Pretty Deadly on commentary. Um, yeah, I didn't write, I couldn't get a lot of notes down on this because a lot happened very fast. Yeah, um, they, uh, to me, I think subculture yeah. needs to go heel. Because Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, they both have a decent heel look, and they can both be very technical mm-hmm. to that whole flippy stuff. And yeah. You, know, you have them go aggressive. I think they would pull it off really, really well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. They're both great, and it's just, again, they – fall into that flippiness mm-hmm. well i think i think mark andrews does a little bit more than webster because we saw it even in this match webster didn't hit a ton of dives or anything he hit what one dive the whole match or something yeah i can't I think um he had a lot of spots with joseph connor where they were kind of like waiting for the other person oh yeah yeah and you're right really you're right. took me out of this match but i think when Ginny and Luna were in the match. They were really just stealing it. They yeah, were both well, fantastic. Yeah, Ginny is just Ginny. I've been high on her for a long time, um, and then especially coming back from the from the pandemic, she just she was one of the first ones that really just stood out. 
And uh, I like the pairing of her and Joseph Connors. Yeah, I thought Connors and Webster was pretty decent at the beginning. But once everything started breaking down, it really never got back on track as far as a tag match goes, I don't think. Um, it Towards the end, I felt like it really went to the whole singles match with managers. Yeah. Going fight. Like, it reminded me of, like, 2006 era. Where they all had the yeah. female managers that mm-hmm. to be hot, and then they go and they'd fight. Cameras would turn to them. The king would be like, "Oh, cat fight, cat fight," and that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it really yeah. reminded me of. Uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that. Uh, I will say, Jenny, I love that iron octopus she has. That that move is really good, and putting it on Danny Loon is nice because Danny can hold her weight up really well because she's powerful. Um, I don't know. It was, it wasn't a great match, but I don't feel like it was bad. It had a crazy finish, but it's a mixed tag match. I kind of expected that going in because there's no real way to make a mixed tag match work as a regular tag match anyway, because you can't get heel heat on somebody. And then they finally get in to tag their partner and you have to get out of the ranks because they can't, you're not allowed to like try and attack them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you, uh, there's just, no, to me, I think the most exciting part about tag matches is, you know, the teamwork aspect, and mm-hmm. you, like, the face side and the heel side can't really do that, and when, because then it's a whole different mm-hmm. issue, and, yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll but- get into... A really bad tag match. Oh, soon. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We have a mixed tag match. We're about to talk about that's just the drizzling shit. Um, oh god! Flatter than a pl- plate full of piss. Oh, we got actually two tag matches in that case. Mm. Well, I'd say the majority of that card, except for the two main events, really, um, if I remember correctly. Okay, now, let's so get- I'm gonna have. I guess we'll have a different opinion on one of the matches then but let's see what do we got SummerSlam 1998 I didn't write down the date um coming from Madison Square Garden New York they do a quick package on Stone Cold and The Undertaker uh JR and Jerry the King Waller of course in 1998 middle of the Attitude Era are the um commentators first match Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I took the notes on my phone just because it was easier that way for me. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that the SummerSlam 98 got autocorrected to Summer Lame 98. And I don't think <laughs> it was a more accurate title. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Summer Lame 98. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, match one, uh, Val Venus versus D'Lo Brown for the European Championship. D'Lo Brown is the European Champion. I love um, I'm not, I hate the ending, but I love this match. D'Lo Brown is by far one of my favorites from the Attitude Era. I, for whatever reason, really gravitated to, her, to him as a kid and it just kind of stayed yeah. that way. He's nice. extremely, extremely underrated. And in this match, he did a lot of great selling. A lot of great moves. There, this ended for me. This, um, this match 
Well, I don't want to talk about it. I don't like to give a grade out till the end. But uh, it starts off, uh, Val Venus does a bad promo. Imagine that. Um, the whole, I mean, and that's the thing is Val Venus could work. Like this is, as far as the match itself goes, it's a pretty good match. Um, they get off track towards the end and the the whole chest protector thing ends up becoming what the match is about instead of just two guys having a great match and takes away so much from the work they put in earlier in the match, in my opinion. I, um, there was one spot that I really wanted to comment on because it was kind of funny, and that's when uh, Val goes to slap or do a chest slap on the chest plate mm-hmm. or whatever, and then D-Lo just goes, oh, hell no. But let's see, they start off with a lockup. Of course, they mentioned the trash protector and the injured pecs. Um, there's a, a good sequence that leads to a spawn buster. Uh, they show Edge is in the crowd. Um, D'Lo keeps cutting Val off. Every time Val starts to get some offense, D'Lo cuts him down. And they're both show that they're good workers. Uh, D'Lo gets the advantage. Um, that Texas Cloverleaf uh, crab or whatever it was was really cool um, Val is selling his back though D'Lo misses that top rope senton and gives Val his starts to get a comeback but then D'Lo hits that great the te- the power of that power bomb counter where he caught Venus caught Val Venus out of the air and delivered a power bomb yeah, was talk, really talk good about how incredible as much as I'm not I was never too big on Val Venus his selling after that move was like top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the move itself looks so good because that is one of those moves that it can really look bad if it's not executed well. And it looked really good. Um, that, that gets a two count. DDT gets a two count. Uh, D'Lo goes over up to the top and Bal, Bal uh, catches him off the top rope into a power slam. Another good move. Um, Val hits, goes to hit his money shot, but D'Lo's knees are up. Um, and then there's a big botch on the power bomb. Um, where, what was it? Was it Val trying to get D'Lo up or D'Lo trying to get Val up? I can't remember. Uh, D'Lo trying to get Val up and then they both kind of slipped. But yeah. it honestly didn't feel like a botch until I watched it again. Yeah. At first, it seemed like Val was struggling too hard, and D'Lo couldn't get him up, and it kind of worked to the story. And then D'Lo immediately played on that. Yeah. By damage, like going and adding a little bit more damage before he tried doing it again, rather than just dropping him. Go, oh well, shit. You know, I'm gonna try that again. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. No, no, no. They well, I mean, this was guys still kind of knew how to work somewhat at this point, but. uh D'Lo goes to come off the top roof, Val moves, and then they have the fight over the chest protector. Uh, Val delivers the money shot with the chest protector, uh, but the ref fucks up and hits the rope. But yeah, he goes to deliver the money shot, but the ref, ref hits the rope, and then it ends up being a DQ against Val, and then he throws the ref and then slams the ref and so on and so forth. And like, uh-huh. it's with that match, it was great. The finish fucked it up, but the finish wasn't also on the workers' fault. 
Mm-hmm. I think, to me, if you got rid of the chest protector aspect of this match, if that just wasn't part of the match and it was just a straight match, it would be a good, probably a B. But with the whole chest protector thing and the way the, the ref screws over Valvinas for no real reason, I ended up giving this one a D. Because I was just like, it's just, there's too much too much going on that doesn't need to be going on for a match that was otherwise pretty good. So, yeah, I, I gave it, I gave it a B and I think if it wasn't for that whole ending, yeah, I probably would have given it an A, but again, I'm really biased towards d Brown, but I understand. I mean, I have, I have people, I'm a huge, I'm a huge mark for Alexa Bliss. And even though she's doing kind of creepy weird shit right now, I'm still like, hello. Hey, Alexa, I'll buy you a hot topic. <laughs> Um, so then we get a Mankind promo, uh, which is pretty good about how, uh, his car got messed up in the back and he's going to have to use his sledgehammer. And, I don't know. The big Foley's so good. Anytime yeah, you put a hammer in his face. All I put for that is the Mankind interview. Great as always. It's Mick Foley. What yeah. do you expect? Yeah. Um, then we get, um, the three on four on three tag match with Kai and Ty versus the Oddities. My first comment on this is why the fuck is ICP here? <laughs> well, I mean, they were a big deal at the time. They were huge. They got they got a shot at the WCW tag titles at one point. I so mean, at least they are actually trained wrestlers. It's just it always throws me off to see them. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Um, so I literally, I wrote almost no, no notes on this match at all. I wrote oddities win an awful match. Oh, ICP is there at ringside. This, this has Vince Russo all over it. Um, what did JR say? Never, this was never advertised to be a classic. And then it goes on way too long. Like just, just, uh, This could have been a squash match in three minutes. I would have been like, okay, that's fine. That's cute. You know, they beat up the big guys, beat up the tiny guys, and that's it. And yeah. forget the fact that they have Kai and Ty acting like small children the whole time. Um, it's just, it's it was bad. It was so bad. It, I gave it an F. I didn't even bother. Yeah, that's what I gave it. Uh, I know a couple notes that I put on there was the how the ref is just like fuck it everybody can go in the ring whenever they want i'm not gonna count it i'm not gonna mm-hmm. do anything with that just just let it happen it's cool yeah it- you had all of kai and ty at the end go and like roll and adjust themselves to be where they can all be pinned at the same time mm-hmm. and that was like ooh. yep yeah i would the guys uh... in kai and ty are like extremely talented and they never really got to show it yeah, I believe that. I mean, but then again, like when you're, you know, five foot five and the rest of the rosters, you know, six foot over, there's not a, you know, unless you're Ray Mysterio. But yeah, I just, it, it was just bad. It was a bad concept. Like I said, it had Vince Russo all over it. It really did. And, yeah. And then yeah, I just didn't, you know. Next. We get Jeff Jarrett versus X-Pac with Howard Finkel in a hair versus hair match. Um, 
get a jump start by Jeff Jarrett. Um, he puts X-Pac nuts into the pole on the outside, which yeah, I know he's supposed to be a heel, but I was... Springboard botch that Xbox had. Oh god, um, that almost but, went horrible. Oh yeah. Um, other other than that, um, JJ gets a sleeper on Xbox. Uh, there's they do the little arm lift spot. X misses a crossbody. He misses the spinning heel kick. Uh, Jared puts the figure four. X sells well, then gets a comeback. Um, they did another. They did another power bomb spot that was cool. Um, I forget. Was that when uh, I forget the setup for that because this was a few days ago. I watched it. Uh, Jeff Jarrett punches Howard Finkel, uh, but he loses to a guitar shot. Uh, New Age Outlaws come to the ring. Uh, the Clippers break and the scissors take forever. Yeah, I gave it a C. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a C minus. I like I put is one of those matches that was just kind of average. There was nothing super exciting apart from the dick to the ring post, which was pretty ow. I mean, hey, you know what? Um, at the time, I know Jeff Jarrett was supposed to be a heel, but getting to see him put Xbox uh, junk into a ring post put me in a happy place. So. <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, um, X-Pac just I, I, I think he was you know he started off as a one two three kid and just became a legend in his own mind to, to quote Vince McMahon but yeah it wasn't in the fact like it probably I probably would have given it a B because it wasn't a bad match you know X-Pac had, a, had that one bad the springboard to the outside which whew and the X-Factor I mean, was pretty bad, too. What was that? When we went to do the X-Factor, it oh, looked yeah. really off. Like, I think Jared kind of landed on his side, and it looked really goofy. Which I'm glad that that wasn't what got the win, and that Jared kicked out. Because I'd be like, even more disappointed if that... Oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, but, yeah, the, the whole Clippers, when the Clippers break and then they break out the scissors and everybody's just standing around cutting dudes' hair forever, like, okay, we get it. You're cutting his hair. Take it to the back. And it's just, um, um, it, it took, it takes me out of it even being a decent match. So I gave it a C. You gave it, what, a C minus, I think? C minus. And I didn't even add the whole actual cutting of the hair into my result on that oh you need to put the afterbirth in there i i usually the afterbirth usually gets in there if it's really bad because usually if, if they have an afterbirth it's bad usually the best thing to do when a match is over is just get to the back go bring out the next match um especially on a pay-per-view you don't need to work angles on a pay-per-view you can do that on tv um I agree. the last uh, comment i had on there was just god i miss fink <laughs> Howard Finkel. Yeah. That man is uh, a national treasure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a true story. Um so Rock, um, we get Rock with a promo with Michael Cole. And I wrote this is the best thing on the pay-per-view so far. <laughs> Besides Mankind. List the Rock uh talking shit to Michael Cole and delivering a promo. Yeah, uh, I think the uh the part where like 
where Rock was starting to walk away and Michael was saying something, you just hear him go, shut up, and the bro goes, <laughs> oh, I hate Michael Cole. Um, so <laughs> next, next we get uh, Mark Marrow and Jacqueline versus Sable and person to be announced. She comes out and delivers the least exciting announcement. Here's my partner. Yeah. <laughs> it just and my partner is and just oh, oh okay that's how I do it. Yeah. And, my mind was so thrown off to hear Edge come out with zero reaction. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so used to me either getting a super positive or a super negative reaction. Yeah. Whenever he appeared. Yep. Like, since, like, 2004, it's been that way. And then here, it's just silent, and it was so weird. It was. It was completely off-putting. And the fact, well, I mean, and also the fact that Sable didn't even, like, Okay, there's, I know you're not a huge, you, you don't listen to Cornette, but he said this several times about Sable, is that Sable's the female ultimate warrior. She just wanted to do what, what the bare minimum she could do to be a star. She didn't want to learn anything about the business. It basically just kissed people's asses that it was nice to people that could get her something. And I think that showed right there at the very beginning where she puts minimal effort into any sort of build or any sort of emotion or any sort of anything to introduce who her, you know, mystery tag partner is going to be. She's just like, Oh, be curious, you know? Um, and I think that that shows itself throughout this match too, because she doesn't do really a damn thing on the match. And the stuff she does do is kind of awful. Um, I, cause I know Marrow and edge has some, pretty like decent technical wrestling in for a little bit of the match uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. well, the and, only parts of the match that were good were when mark and edge were in there um and which really sucks is jacqueline is fantastic and mm-hmm. so many times that they pair her up having to face sable and just kind of ignore all of like her talents because she was put with somebody who put so little effort into what she was doing and yeah. also put that shouldn't have edge been disqualified when he started spanking Jacqueline. I mean, technically, but mix mat mix tag match. I mean, technically yes, but also, you know, I'm, I, this is, this has got Vince, the two Vince's all over it. This is all Russo and, um, and, and McMahon here because the spanking thing that's why that it's probably that's why that even happened i think because i can't see anybody with a background in the wrestling business being like oh yeah why don't you just spank her that that'll be good that's that that's an effective offensive move you know especially Um, how how out of character that was for edge at this time like 2006 mm -hmm. edge would do that 100 percent yeah edge doing that wouldn't throw me off i wouldn't make a single comment because i'd be so edge but at this when he's trying to do this whole like mysterious kind of thing it made zero sense but i do i have a couple of good notes here uh i've heard is sable really supposed to be the baby face in this match um yeah i couldn't i couldn't tell for a while i was like i was trying to figure out because i had no prior 
and, and it's just yeah. she has that scowl on her face just like she's um and then i put naya uh naya looks like bret hart next to sable <laughs> so, um because it is it's just like she just doesn't work at all and her whatever those punches she were trying to throw were was bad um what was the best part? The 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 hang neck the hanging neck breaker by Edge by Mark Mirror, where he drags him off the top rope and gives him a neck breaker was probably the best spot in the whole match. Um, I gave it a I didn't give it an F. I I went back and forth quite a bit, but I gave it a D because I like Edge and the parts with him and Mark were good enough that. I didn't want to fail them because Sable sucks. I didn't want to punish them for Sable sucking. Yeah, that's kind of what I had. I put a D minus. I also put how many rope racks are we going to see in this show? There's already been like seven of them at this point. Mm -hmm. Wait, what was that? How many rope racks are going to be in this show? Because there was like seven just from three matches. So, um... Let's see, we got, um, and then we get a Mankind promo. Uh, Vince ends up uh, talking Mick into defending the tag titles. Uh, the Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, I loved, I've got 13 words for them. <laughs> How much would, would, would Chuck, Chuck, would Chuck could, Mick yeah, Foley, man. Again, I'm I just put you. Mick Foley's pure gold. Like He really is. You can't, there's no way around it. Um we get a package on the uh, Lions Den match, uh, which is uh, Owen versus uh, Owen with uh, Dan Severin versus Ken Shamrock, um, which was pretty good. I like that they went into the the whole story there, and uh, I'm still kind of I'm still upset with WWE that they never did Shamrock versus Severin in a WWE ring, like. Yeah, right. You've got both of these guys under contract. Why not have a match with them against each other? Especially after this match where Owen loses, like that would be a perfect thing for Severin to be like, oh, well, you can beat Owen, but you can't beat me in that. You know? Yeah, like I'm kind of disappointed. I didn't know that they never did that. I Mm -mm. expected that to be something that has happened. Um,. I did put one little note on here, and it was that the why does the lion's den cage remind me of one of those garbage disposal strainers? That you, <laughs> that you, like it really did, and I couldn't get like my mind off of it because it like coned in. Yeah. To the bottom is it's the only thing I saw the entire time. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I didn't even think about that. Um, but they did. They uh, they used the cage well. Shamrock has a had a great couple of great clotheslines on Owen. Um, he chokes Owen with his shirt. Uh, the Shamrock Shamrock did a, that springboard off the cage. It actually made it look good, which is a hard thing to do because it's not a supernatural like movement to springboard off of a, a, a basically a chain link fence. Um, I thought the same the first time he did it. And then he did it again, and yeah. that and that took away the first one for me. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that he should have only done it the one time. Um, there, um, 
Owen ends up bleeding from the mouth. I wrote a note saying Owen is so smooth because he is. Just everything he does in the ring looks good. Um, he gets the sharp shoot. Perfect. Like, what was that? Uh, the enziguri he did was perfect. I don't think he ever's done a bad enziguri in his life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, Brett has even gone on record as saying that he thinks Owen was a better wrestler than him because Owen could do more different styles than Brett could do. Um, which is, that's pretty big praise coming from Bret Hart. Yeah. Uh, he puts him in the sharpshooter, but Sham, I like the spot where Shamrock slimed the cage to break the hold. I thought that was, you know, different. Um, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, and then Shamrock does um, uh, that matrix move and grabs the ankle lock and Owen taps out. So it was pretty good. I enjoyed this one. This one got a B. So... I gave this one a C just because I thought the whole concept of the match itself was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put instructions unclear. They gave no like explanation of what the rules for the Lions in match were. They were just like, okay, yeah. they're in a cage, and this match is happening now. And it's just like, okay, there's no rules. What are we? What's going on? And they said well, anything goes, and that was about the information we got on that. Yeah, uh, well, this was also in the early days of UFC, or uh, mixed, mixed martial arts, because, you know, that's where Shamrock came from. So it was, I guess it was WWE's version of trying to do, like, an octagon-type match. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying. It, it would have been nice to get a little bit more clearer about what the actual rules of the match are. I just, I guess I just assumed because I've watched so many old school cage matches that it was like the territory cage matches where it was pinfall or submissions, the only way to win. Um, but that's probably because that's what I assumed. Anyway. Um, I had still, one more comment on there that I thought was really funny mm-hmm. was when uh, Jim Ross goes, watch this folks and they cut to a replay but the entire like replay of what he wanted to show was completely obstructed yeah that, that was pretty funny yeah uh, but uh yeah that was good uh so then we get a uh stone cold promo on undertaker uh which is good again you know like all the people they've had doing promos with the exception of Al Venus at the very beginning and sable saying four words and dropping the microphone have been good <laughs> you know it's stone cold you can't really go wrong with that um anything to say about that uh then we get uh mankind without kane mankind and kane are the tag champions against the new age outlaws and a falls count anywhere match for the tag titles um the outlaws have a dumpster with them, which I guess that's better than having all of the all of the weapons stashed under the ring for whatever reason they leave kendo sticks under the ring will never in my life make any sense. <clears throat> to me, I feel like the weapons under the ring I never questioned it because I thought they were under the ring because of that. Like, and that was just kind of, okay, they stash weapons under the ring to be used, and when there's weapons-related matches, 
and that's yeah. kind of where my brain always went to so i never really questioned it until i got older and i was like this doesn't make any fucking sense yeah well how do you help how do you build like some of this like the chairs make sense the tables make sense because you keep extra chairs and extra tables under the ring because that's a storage area the tools kind of make some sort of sense because there might actually be somebody left a toolbox out there under the ring but a kendo stick how, how do you put a ring together with a kendo stick what purpose is a kendo stick you can have for being anywhere in a wrestling ring or it, you know Whatever. Uh, or the, the Singapore Canes, like they used to call them. Uh, there's a little bit of a chair fight, but it's two on one. Uh, Mankind takes a bunch of baking sheets to the head. Um, then he takes a mixing bowl to the back. He starts a little bit of a comeback, but uh, the numbers game is too much. Out comes the chairs. Um, and then they, uh, well, he reverses Billy through the table. Oh, yeah, out comes the table. Then he reverses Billy through it. But then they set up the two chairs and put him through it. Then a spike pile driver. Then they put Mick in the dumpster. And Kane is in the dumpster. And he uses the check the sledgehammer on Mick Foley on Mankind and pushes the dumpster to the back. Yeah. Uh, I put, why is there so much South Park love today? Because you yeah. had Goldie wearing a Cartman shirt. And then you had the New Age Outlaws wearing South Park shirts. Um, like was there like some kind of deal going on around the time no probably not i mean it was just it was 1998 south park was only in it's like first or second season it was insanely fucking popular um so it was it was everywhere uh and i'm pretty sure the south park guys never like stop people from using south park imagery because you could get i worked at spencer's gifts in in 1998 and it was south park fucking everything you could think of so so it was uh so the south park thing was just that was just cultural <laughs> fair fair right. for the next comment that i put on here i just i went to write notes and the match ended <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, at least it was fast. At least they got it over with, yeah. you know. Um, which is something actually a friend of mine used to say all the time. Uh, he's like, I don't understand why they're going to have like a false count anywhere match or any match with weapons that last longer than five or ten minutes. Because if you really hate somebody that much, that you're like the only way we can settle this this rivalry is like to beat each other to death with weapons, it's not going to be a long match if you're actually fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, like, we don't want, like, the only time that I really find Falls Count match, Falls Count Anywhere matches acceptable to work in the story is if they get two competitors or a team of competitors who just despise each other beyond any like limits and they're like mm -hmm. you know this is gonna go out as far as we can they're gonna go out there and like, try to kill each other oh yeah and then it works yeah. but when it's just anyway i think no you also this match has weapons in it deal with it you 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 kind of i think you kind of also have to have the right people because uh like you put terry funk in a match like that he's gonna have He's going to know what he's doing. It's going to, like, 
it's going to be a good match. But some people you can put in one of those matches that's going to be the drizzling shits because they have no idea how to work anything. Um, so I guess, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, moving on. Oh, I gave that one a C. What did you end up giving that? I the gave it a D. You gave it a D? That's I, fair. You know, I like, you know, Mick Foley is obviously one of one of my all-time favorites. And, but I can't see myself giving it any higher. Yeah. Yeah, I think I gave it, I think I was being generous when I gave it a C, but that's what I gave it. Like I said, it was over pretty fast, so at least it had that going for it. Yeah, I just also never really liked the New Age Outlaws, so I think that kind of put a hampering on my... Oh yeah, that'll do it. Um, so then we get uh, Triple H coming out for, with the DX entrance with the whole band out there. Um, I wrote this... I wrote that the singer looks like one of AEW's top guys. <laughs> it's like he could be like the yeah, AEW champion. That he looks like a school librarian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I put whoever tuned the whoever tuned those guitars. I want to punch because oh my god, they sounded like shit. <laughs> and then whoever mixed the audio too, as as a musician who has done many live shows. Yeah. And I know how little time we have to set up. You know, most of the time, venues are going to give you about five, ten minutes to set up everything. Mm-hmm. Tune. And they had way more time to set up, and it still sounded like absolute dog shit. And I was really pissed. <laughs> that, that, that whole two minutes just really bothered me. And to the point where... That is literally the only notes I had for this match because I was so angry through it. I didn't bother really. Oh my god! Let Bob, let Bob lead and respond. I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, um, after the uh, the the quote unquote musical interlude, um, we got uh, Triple H with China versus The Rock with Mark Henry in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, they have a hot start and some back and forth. Uh, Triple H goes for pedigree, but gets put outside. Um, Rock goes for the ladder, gets cut off by Triple H. Uh, then they get back in the ring. Uh, then Triple H goes for the ladder again, but it gets cut off by the Rock. Uh, he gets a bunch of Rocky sucks chants. Um, Rock brings in the ladder. Uh, Triple H does uh, brings the ladder to the ring, and then Triple H does a bump on the ladder onto the outside. Um, Rock climbs the ladder. Triple H knocks him off the top. Stops the Rock, but uh, puts the ladder. Oh yeah, Triple H. When Triple H jerks the Rock off of the ladder and then falls down, and the ladder falls right on top of him. That was a little much for me. I was like, damn, he needs to watch where that fucking ladder's falling. Um, Triple H starts using the ladder, climbs, rocks, jerks him off the ladder. Um, Triple H apparently had a bad leg, so Rock starts working the leg, uh, scissors, scissors Triple H's knee in the ladder, drops Triple H on the ladder bridge on the outside. Um, Rock climbs, Triple H pushes him off. This is, I mean, it's a ladder match. <laughs> so it's a lot of that. Oh, he goes to climb the ladder. Oh, he gets pushed off the ladder. 
Oh, he goes to Clemson. No, he doesn't make it. <laughs> I, I think of ladder matches are those ones that I can't ever tell if they're a good match or a bad match because it usually uh, just feels the same throughout mm-hmm. every single one. But uh, so Triple H goes to climb the rap- Triple H ladder to table. Um, I'm not exactly sure what happened there. Triple H might have gone off a ladder through a table or something. Triple H uh, does a backdrop on the ladder. Uh, Mark Henry throws in a second ladder, uh, and then China knocks out Mark Henry. Um, the ladder goes over, and the rock, do- rock does the little top rope spot where he gets caught up and then goes to the outside. Rock takes a nasty ladder to the face and gets color, which was nice. That was very well done. Like, you couldn't tell he was getting color at all. But I was like, as soon as I saw him, the rock get hit in the face with the ladder. I was like, he needs to get color off of this because that was a good bump. And sure enough, he comes up bleeding. Um, Triple H climbs. Rock stops him. Rock starts making a comeback, and both men go down. Rock climbs. Triple H climbs, and they fight at the top. Triple H knocks over a ladder, and they both go down. Uh, Oh, yeah, Triple H does one of those phony chair shots where he puts the ladder on top of the dude and then hits the ladder with a chair just because it makes a big noise, but it looks dumb because... It wouldn't do anything. Yeah, Triple H gets... There's no pressure at that point, like... Yeah. Go for it, It sounds cool. It's not doing any damage, but it does make a very loud sound. Um, Triple H gets slammed onto the ladder and then gets the people's elbow, does the people's elbow while Triple H is on the ladder. So the rock does people's elbow. Then he gets a rock bottom. Rock goes to climb, uh, but Triple H pulls him off and puts him in through a pedigree. And then, uh, this is where business picks up. Mark Henry powders Triple H's eyes. So Triple H is climbing blind and the rock is climbing too. And then China hits rock with a low blow. And Triple H ends up winning. And then all of DX comes out to celebrate. This, despite my not very good um, notes, I guess, repetitive notes, was a very entertaining match. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I looked at it. It was just like, it was, it was entertaining. I don't know if I would call it like a good match, apart from the pretty decent spots that were in here. Yeah, I mean, it, it had good spots. I think I think it's the fact that it's Triple H and The Rock, and both of them are so good at facials and selling stuff correctly. And, you know, other than a couple of spots, everything looked pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, it was pretty believable. Um, I See, I gave it an A, but then again... Okay, well, there we go. So we're about on the same page. So, yeah, it wasn't the, as far as the ladder match goes, it was better than a lot, especially a lot of them we've seen lately in main roster WWE, but it wasn't, it's not Sean in uh, Razor Ramon at, at uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. So, all right. Then we get a little bit of footage of The Rock in the back 
I uh, wrote, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Miz's dad, but the doctor looked like George Mazzano. <laughs> um, and then uh, Rock cuts a promo with blood in his face, which was just fantastic. Uh, you know, Rock's a good promo anyway, but when you're, you know, cutting a promo with blood in your face, um, almost felt like a baby face turn right there. It almost did, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure because Rock is one of those people who always comes off both babyface and heel at the same yeah. time, like no matter mm-hmm. what he's running. I guess it's just because he's so popular and just so good at what he does, you just want to like him regardless. But yeah, it's hard to root for. It's hard to root against a guy who can talk that well and have that much emotion when he's cutting the promo backstage where he just got beat for his title by getting low blowed, you know, even though he signaled Mark Henry to put the powder in Triple H's face. It's kind of almost feels like he still got fucked somehow. Um, so there's, we, you know, there's going to be no King, no King in this match. Um, Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. Um, Steve Austin, of course, the champion coming in. Uh, the first thing I wrote is I'm excited for this before it even starts. <laughs> yeah, I put Stone Cold versus The Undertaker. Uh, I go, what could go wrong? But then again, with this pay-per-view, I'm not so sure. <laughs> right. Um, they have a hot start. They have a good back and forth. Um, love the drop toe hold by uh, Stone Cold. That was that was fun. Um, they do have. Uh, they did have a bit of a botch there, um, but they worked through it. Uh, where Stone Cold came off and was supposed to hit the um, the leg, and Undertaker ended up coming up too soon and smacking Austin in the head. Um, yeah, I was pretty sure like Austin was knocked out for. A good couple oh, yeah. of seconds. Yeah, yeah, I think he got knocked a little loopy there. Um, but uh, Taker ends up taking advantage back and slowing it down. Uh, he's working on Austin's back. Austin's working on Taker's leg, so that's kind of the story here. Um, Taker delivers that flying clothesline, which always looks good. And he goes for old school, but Austin counters it. And right after that, out comes Kane. And I was like, oh, shit. And then Taker waves him off. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so Austin goes back to work on the leg. Uh, Taker does that outside in choke slam, which I've only seen him do that a couple of times. But it, this one, this one wasn't as good as the one he did to Triple H. I forget what pay-per-view I was watching where he did one to Triple H that was just fantastic. He lifted him way up in the air and probably took him almost all the way across the ring. But it's still good when you, you know when you know the spot I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, then they go outside. They start fighting through the crowd, which I hate. I hate when they fight through the crowd. Austin's up giving um, Taker a, a backdrop onto the floor. Then they get back to the ring. Uh, a stunner gets blocked. Um, Austin gets run into the ring post. Uh, there's a lot of momentum changes in this match. This was a very back-and-forth match. Nobody seemed to hold the advantage for too long before the other guy got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think in this one, it, it was... Some, 
There was something about the pacing on this match that I just really didn't like. It kind of really? felt... It felt like... It was more... They kind of just got their own time to do whatever, and then as the match progressed, it just kind of... It was consistent, but... Not in the right way, I guess is the way I could put it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so we get so there's lots of momentum changes. So there's more work on the back. Um, Austin gets put on expansion on Staper. Taker takes off from the top with a leg drop, which would have looked good, but the table didn't break correctly. So. We got we covered from that spot. Um, Austin kip, kicks out and keeps fighting back, and there's a double clothesline. I wrote Austin come back with the uh, exclamation with a question mark. Uh, then he hits the Lupez press, um, the, and I'm like the near falls have started. So um, the choke slam, and there's a choke slam, but then the tombstone gets countered. And then Austin gets hung up on the ropes. Uh, Austin hits, there's a big Russian leg sweep, which I wrote like two exclamation points after. It was like, Russian leg sweep in the middle of this match. That's fantastic. Um, goes, Taker goes for the old school again, but gets countered and gets the stunner. And Austin wins. And Taker hands the belt to Austin, and Kane comes out. Um, I love this match. <laughs> I mean, so, I really, I really like this match, and I think it was definitely like the high point of this. Again, I think it was just, I don't know what it was about the pacing that just kind of felt off to me. Yeah, I, I might just be that like I've gotten so used to how matches are currently mm-hmm. that going back just kind of threw me off, and, and I think also a two year break. For being so desensitized, you know I can't even say it right now. <laughs> desensitized, desensitized. To, yeah. I don't know why it just would not work, but like <laughs> to how good matches were back then, the pacing threw me off. Yeah. But like it was still a fantastic match. I also put that this is definitely like peak Undertaker in my oh, opinion, yeah. going by look and especially his theme. Theme was perfect at this time. It shouldn't. Shouldn't have changed, in my opinion. Well, his work was really good here too because he was in such great shape. Um, you know, like when he hit that 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 flying clothesline looked so good because he'd been doing it for years, but he's in such great shape and he knows how to work now, and it's just just beautiful to watch him do something like that. I mean, really, you know, it, the credit goes to both guys, but definitely. Big props to uh, Undertaker for. Um, I don't know, did somebody get rid of my. I was looking for something, but I guess we don't have it anymore. <laughs> um, so, but definitely big props to Undertaker for make putting Austin over in that way, because he he put him over. You know what I mean? There was no no doubt about that. He lost clean in the middle of the ring, and and then that's. It was kind of weird because in this era, Undertaker, without with him being a heel, I felt like him handing him the belt 
was very uncharacteristic for the time period of mm-hmm. how Undertaker was booked and then how he went even more heel after after this. Well, yeah, isn't this, like, before he started um, doing, uh, uh, like, kidnapping Stephanie and uh, crucifying people and shit? Right before it. And then so, it's just started going into that darker and kidnappy stuff that would come with it, like, a few months of this. Yeah. And so he was a heel before this. He had that where it, he felt almost... Like he was becoming a face, and then he immediately went to a more effective heel. So, to me, that handoff was a little awkward, but yeah, yeah, it was. That was almost you, you know what it was. Um, it almost felt like a curtain call type of moment where they really shouldn't be doing this in the ring. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I mean, what are you gonna do? So, uh, I think. You're, I, I, I agree with you. Thinking about it now, like, if he was a heel at this point in time, then definitely he shouldn't be just handing the belt to, to Austin unless they're going to do something. He should have just hit him with the belt or something. But then again, I mean, sorry, I'm looking. I was looking for my list of pay-per-views that, I was gonna, that we were going to be doing to tell you what was going to be next, but I don't even know now. Fair enough. Uh, 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 I think it's I think it's Starcade. I want to say 88, 87, 89, somewhere around in there. One of the 80s. No, no, no. We're doing, uh, I'm sorry, 98. We are doing SummerSlam 08 next. SummerSlam 08. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly. The forgettable era. If I remember correctly, this is a really, really good pay-per-view. It might, it might actually be. I just remember like 2008 through 2012 were just some of the most forgettable. Mm-hmm. I call that so, the forgettable era. Then 2012 onward is the whole quote-unquote PG era. And, yeah. And, yeah. See, it's funny. I came back. I came back right after. Well, right after the shield broke up, I came back right when Sting reappeared. Like one of the first episodes I watched was the episode where Sting pushes Seth Rollins' uh, statue of him with the United States and WWE Championships into the dumpster, or not into the dumpster, into the trash compactor, and it gets smashed up, and Seth goes crazy. Um, so, but I had been gone since probably mid-90s before attitude era so probably around the montreal screwjob time i think i think for me i stopped watching and so now i'm only 24 now for those who don't know but like i it was somewhere mid ruthless aggression era that i just kind of stopped watching Mm -hmm. which was more it was this kind of thing my dad and I would watch, and then my parents split, and then we didn't yeah. see him as often. That's when that kind of stopped. And then I remember flipping through my channels late on a Monday. I think it was just right after 2009's Royal Rumble. 
I came across wrestling, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then I got into it for <laughs> until, like, until probably about 2012, and then I just stopped watching. Mm-hmm. And got back into it around 2015, 2016, where, uh, where somebody raided D-Rod, and yeah. then... You know, friends with him and kind of going and somewhat kind of passively watching, but not like like actively going and seeking every yeah. single thing out with it. And that's kind of where we've been then. Mm-hmm. But also, I gave this match an A. Yeah, I gave it an A plus because I was I was just like this was especially I guess you know it, part of it could be like it's a good match on its own, but up against the rest of this card. This match is just fantastic. You know what I mean? Like, if this match hadn't been this good, this would this because I gave the overall and ended up getting this pay per view ended up getting a C. But if it wasn't for the last two matches, it probably would have gotten a D. I, I, see, I gave it a low C. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, so next we got 08. I don't even remember who the main event is. Um, I think can't rem- Yeah, I can't remember at all who who was in the main event. That, that I one. can't. I don't think I can name a single card or a single competitor. I'm probably assuming mid 2008. We probably have Jeff Hardy, Orton. I think it's, it's Cena. I know Cena has a match. Yeah, well, that's kind of a given. Yeah, well, hold on. I'm looking up the, the card now because I, I'm just curious. SummerSlam 08. Let's see. Let's look at the card here. Preliminary matches, third match, main event matches. Okay, where just can I just get the match list? Okay, here we go. Um, Big Show versus oh no, that's not even on the thing. Oh, MVP versus Jeff Hardy. Um. Oh, there's a um, Beth Phoenix and Santino Morello versus Kofi Kingston and Mick James. Uh, Matt Hardy versus Mark Henry. CM Punk versus JBL. That is, that's the match. I remember now. Yeah. CM Punk versus JBL. Uh, Triple H versus Great Khali. Batista versus Cena. Undertaker versus Edge. And Hell in the Cell. So that's a pretty. It's, again, it's it, it's a very top loaded card, I think. Yeah, like. But I remember the CM Punk the CM Punk JBL match was good when I watched it when I was drunk. <laughs> we'll see if it holds up to my my sober standards, but my drunk standards were completely into it. <laughs> Wait, is this the uh, is this the the Great Cali World Heavyweight Championship match? It might be. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I see. Uh, I think it's really weird to see the two world title matches in the middle of the card with two extra just singular matches after. That's, yeah. that's pretty weird. Yeah, it is. I think if it wasn't, if Undertaker and Edge wasn't Hell in a Cell. Nope. Yeah, if Undertaker and Edge wasn't Hell in a Cell, I think it, it wouldn't have been the main event. But being a Hell in a Cell match, they want to put that on last. This is when Vince still gave a shit about stuff like that. Now, let's have four Hell in a Cell matches. Let's have two of them on television. Yeah. I don't like how they start... They started like adding match types as the pay per view, and that's like the whole pay per views thing. Yeah, I I, I I hate that, and and I think you and I, there's a lot of people that don't like it, but you well, and also you have two that are pretty much the same. You have extreme rules and tables, ladders, and chairs. I mean, aren't those kind of isn't a TLC match or a, a, a tables match or whatever like it a type of extreme rules match? Yeah, um, I think I think TLC matches in general are just the most pointless creation. It's just a ladder match. People just use more weapons. Yeah, like the fact that they're branded as something different makes literally zero sense. Is you can grab a table and you can grab chairs and just a regular ladder match. It's not like you can't like it's. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Oh yeah, well I tweeted this out because I was watching the the Lashley uh, McIntyre Hell in a Cell match on the paper on the Hell in, on the Hell in a Cell pay per view. <laughs> um, and Vlad, Drew beats is beating the crap out of Lashley. And then just stops and goes and gets a chair from under the table, sets it up. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I tweeted this, I'm like, if, if I was in a fight with somebody, or even if I was in a match with somebody, and I got my opponent to the point where I know that I can go walk away and set up a table and they're not going to go anywhere, why not just throw them into the ring and pin them? <laughs> you know? Like, it, to me, like, it's just. It, I know it's just there to get you know people hyped. It's not my thing. I I understand why they do it though. I mean, to quote every parent that I who has come to my shows, I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. <laughs> Yeah, well, less, less kids, kids like, like it now than liked it 30 years ago. ago. So, so something's di- what what's different? Let's look at what's different and see if we can repetitiveness. Therapy. They keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It's not changing. Mm-hmm. Like that's my that's like my problem when it comes to, I guess the quote unquote flippy shit wrestling. In yeah. moderation, it's cool and exciting, but. I don't like seeing that every time and every throughout the entire match. Mm-hmm. And that's all the matches we see. And if that's and if like and you know I'm 
I'm not throwing, I'm not throwing them under the bus because I would like to throw them under the bus. But the Young Bucks have one match. They do a Young Bucks match. That's all they do. They can't do anything else. They can't work any other sort of match other than the one match they know how to work, which is not selling anything, going 100 miles an hour, and doing as many flips and super kicks as they can get into whatever amount of time that they're given. Yeah, they, it is boring. They, they give me a headache because uh, them and their fans give me a headache because they keep talking about like you know they it's like they genuinely think that they're the best and I don't understand why if every match is the same. Mm-hmm. What about that's good? I read an article. Uh, not too long ago. Oh, you can stop hitting recording time. Let's do our little wrap up here real quick. Um, okay, everyone. Uh, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna head out for the for the week. Next week we'll be back with uh, SummerSlam 08 and NXT UK. Um, I had a good time. I think we did a. I think it was a pretty good show. What do you think, Kirsch? I, I think it was great. I know. I, I'm a little. Rocky has been a while since I've done any kind of podcast where it's not just D Rod and I just shooting the shit, and then there's oh, actual scripted and notes taken. <laughs> so, well, but... I mean, it is what it is. We'll get into it. I mean, the you know, um, this is our first podcast, and we don't, you know, we're just built starting to see if we have chemistry together as as co-hosts. So, um, we'll, you know, that is what it is, but. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. We didn't get in an argument. The few things that we disagreed on, we disagreed respectfully. So I think we're all good. I, I will, yeah, I will say, I think with Deron, he's such a fun person to get in an argument with. Mm-hmm. Because it's like he, it's almost like he knows he's wrong, but doesn't want to admit it. And it's really funny. <laughs> Right, right, okay, I can see that. Um, but all right, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Um, keep listening, comment, uh, follow our podcast wherever uh, great podcasts are found. And uh, we'll see you next week.